Section number 17 of Grey's Anatomy, Part 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 3, by Henry Grey. Arteries of the Upper Extremity, the Subclavian Artery, Part 1. The artery which supplies the upper extremity continues as a single trunk from its commencement down to the elbow, but different portions of it have received different names, according to the regions through which they pass. The part of the vessel which extends from its origin to the outer border of the first rib is termed the subclavian. Beyond this point to the lower border of the axilla it is named the axillary and from the lower margin of the axillary space to the bend of the elbow it is termed brachial. Here the trunk ends by dividing into two branches, the radial and ulna. The subclavian artery, arteria subclavia. On the right side the subclavian artery arises from the innominate artery behind the right sternoclavicular articulation. On the left side it springs from the arch of the aorta. The two vessels, therefore, in the first part of their course, differ in length, direction, and relation with neighbouring structures. In order to facilitate the description, each subclavian artery is divided into three parts. The first portion extends from the origin of the vessel to the medial border of the scalenus anterior, the second lies behind this muscle, and the third extends from the lateral margin of the muscle to the outer border of the first rib, where it becomes the axillary artery. The first portions of the two vessels require separate descriptions. The second and third parts of the two arteries are practically alike. First part of the right subclavian artery. The first part of the right subclavian artery arises from the innominate artery behind the upper part of the right sternoclavicular articulation and passes upward and lateralward to the medial margin of the scalenus anterior. It extends a little above the clavicle the extent to which it does so varying in different cases. Relations. It is covered, in front, by the integument, superficial fascia, platysma, deep fascia, the clavicular origin of the sternocleidomastoideus, the sternohyodeus, and sternothyroideus, and another layer of the deep fascia. It is crossed by the internal jugular and vertebral veins, by the vagus nerve and the cardiac branches of the vagus and sympathetic, and by the subclavian loop of the sympathetic trunk which forms a ring around the vessel. The anterior jugular vein is directed lateralward in front of the artery, but is separated from it by the sternohyodeus and sternothyroideus. Below and behind the artery is the pleura, which separates it from the apex of the lung. Behind is the sympathetic trunk, the longus colli, and the first thoracic vertebra. The right recurrent nerve winds around the lower and back part of the vessel. First part of the left subclavian artery. The first part of the left subclavian artery arises from the arch of the aorta, behind the left common carotid and at the level of the fourth thoracic vertebra. It ascends in the superior mediastinal cavity to the root of the neck and then arches lateralward to the medial border of the scalenus anterior. Relations it is in relation, in front, with the vagus, cardiac, and phrenic nerves, which lie parallel with it, the left common carotid artery, left internal jugular and vertebral veins, and the commencement of the left innominate vein. 
and is covered by the Sternothyroideus, Sternohyodeus, and Sternoclidomastoideus. Behind, it is in relation with the esophagus, thoracic duct, left recurrent nerve, inferior cervical ganglion of the sympathetic trunk, and longus colli. Higher up, however, the esophagus and thoracic duct lie to its right side, the latter ultimately arching over the vessel to join the angle of union between the subclavian and internal jugular veins. Medial to it are the esophagus, trachea, thoracic duct, and left recurrent nerve. Lateral to it, the left pleura and lung. Second and third parts of the subclavian artery. The second portion of the subclavian artery lies behind the scalenus anterior. It is very short and forms the highest part of the arch described by the vessel. Relations. It is covered in front by the skin, superficial fascia, platysma, deep cervical fascia, sternocleidomastoideus and scalenus anterior. On the right side of the neck, the phrenic nerve is separated from the second part of the artery by the scalenus anterior, while on the left side it crosses the first part of the artery close to the medial edge of the muscle. Behind the vessel are the pleura and the scalenus medius, above the brachial plexus of nerves, below the pleura. The subclavian vein lies below and in front of the artery, separated from it by the scalenus anterior. The third portion of the subclavian artery runs downward and lateralward from the lateral margin of the scalenus anterior to the outer border of the first rib, where it becomes the axillary artery. This is the most superficial portion of the vessel, and is contained in the subclavian triangle. Relations It is covered in front by the skin, the superficial fascia, the platysma, the supraclavicular nerves and the deep cervical fascia. The external jugular vein crosses its medial part and receives the transverse scapular, transverse cervical, and anterior jugular veins, which frequently form a plexus in front of the artery. Behind the veins, the nerve to the subclavius descends in front of the artery. The terminal part of the artery lies behind the clavicle and the subclavius and is crossed by the transverse scapular vessels. The subclavian vein is in front of and at a slightly lower level than the artery. Behind, it lies on the lowest trunk of the brachial plexus, which intervenes between it and the scalenus medius. Above and to its lateral side are the upper trunks of the brachial plexus and the omohyoideus. Below, it rests on the upper surface of the first rib. Peculiarities The subclavian arteries vary in their origin, their course, and the height to which they rise in the neck. The origin of the right subclavian from the innominate takes place, in some cases, above the sternoclavicular articulation, and occasionally, but less frequently, below that joint. The artery may arise as a separate trunk from the arch of the aorta, and in such cases it may be either the first, second, third, or even the last branch derived from that vessel. In the majority, however, it is the first or last, rarely the second or third. When it is the first branch, it occupies the ordinary position of the innominate artery. When the second or third, it gains its unusual position by passing behind the right carotid. And when the last branch, it arises from the left extremity of the arch and passes obliquely toward the right side, usually behind the trachea, esophagus, and right carotid, sometimes between the esophagus and trachea, to the upper border of the first rib, whence it follows its ordinary course. In very rare instances, this vessel arises from the thoracic aorta, as low down as the fourth thoracic vertebra. Occasionally it perforates the scalenus anterior. 
more rarely it passes in front of that muscle. Sometimes the subclavian vein passes with the artery behind the scalenus anterior. The artery may ascend as high as four centimeters above the clavicle, or any intermediate point between this and the upper border of the bone, the right subclavian usually ascending higher than the left. The left subclavian is occasionally joined at its origin with the left carotid. The left subclavian artery is more deeply placed than the right in the first part of its course, and, as a rule, does not reach quite as high a level in the neck. The posterior border of the sternocleidomastoideus corresponds pretty closely to the lateral border of the scalenus anterior, so that the third portion of the artery, the part most accessible for operation, lies immediately lateral to the posterior border of the sternocleidomastoideus. Collateral Circulation After ligature of the third part of the subclavian artery, the collateral circulation is established mainly by three sets of vessels, thus described in a dissection. 1. A posterior set, consisting of the transverse scapula and the descending ramus of the transverse cervical branches of the subclavian, anastomosing with the subscapula from the axillary. 2. A medial set, produced by the connection of the internal mammary on the one hand with the highest intercostal and lateral thoracic arteries, and the branches from the subscapula on the other. 3. A middle or axillary set, consisting of a number of small vessels derived from branches of the subclavian, above, and passing through the axilla, terminating either in the main trunk, or some of the branches of the axillary below. This last set presented most conspicuously the peculiar character of newly formed, or rather dilated arteries, being excessively tortuous and forming a complete plexus. The chief agent in the restoration of the axillary artery below the tumour was the subscapular artery, which communicated most freely with the internal mammary, transverse scapula and descending ramus of the transverse cervical branches of the subclavian, from all of which it received so great an influx of blood as to dilate it to three times its natural size. Footnote Guy's Hospital Reports, Volume 1, 1836 Case of Axillary Aneurysm, in which Aston Key had tied the subclavian artery on the lateral edge of the scalenus anterior, twelve years previously. End of footnote when a ligature is applied to the first part of the subclavian artery, the collateral circulation is carried on by 1. The anastomosis between the superior and inferior thyroids. 2. The anastomosis of the two vertebrals. 3. The anastomosis of the internal mammary with the inferior epigastric and the aortic intercostals. 4. The costocervical anastomosing with the aortic intercostals. 5. The profunda cervicis anastomosing with the descending branch of the occipital. 6. The scapular branches of the thyrocervical trunk anastomosing with the branches of the axillary. And 7. The thoracic branches of the axillary anastomosing with the aortic intercostals. Branches. The branches of the subclavian artery are vertebral, thyrocervical, internal mammary, costocervical. On the left side, all four branches generally arise from the first portion of the vessel, but on the right side, the costocervical trunk usually springs from the second portion of the vessel. On both sides of the neck, the first three branches arise close together at the medial border of the scalenus anterior, in the majority of cases. A free interval of from 1.25 to 2.5 centimeters exists between the commencement of the artery and the origin of the nearest branch. 1. 
the vertebral artery, arteria vertebralis, is the first branch of the subclavian and arises from the upper and back part of the first portion of the vessel. It is surrounded by a plexus of nerve fibers derived from the inferior cervical ganglion of the sympathetic trunk and ascends through the foramina in the transverse processes of the upper six cervical vertebrae. Footnote the vertebral artery sometimes enters the foramen in the transverse process of the fifth vertebra, and has been seen entering that of the seventh vertebra. End of footnote. It then winds behind the superior articular process of the atlas and, entering the skull through the foramen magnum, unites, at the lower border of the pons, with the vessel of the opposite side to form the basilar artery. Relations. The vertebral artery may be divided into four parts. The first part runs upward and backward between the longus colli and the scalenus anterior. In front of it are the internal jugular and vertebral veins, and it is crossed by the inferior thyroid artery. The left vertebral is crossed by the thoracic duct also. Behind it are the transverse process of the seventh cervical vertebra, the sympathetic trunk, and its inferior cervical ganglion. The second part runs upward through the foramina in the transverse processes of the upper six cervical vertebrae, and is surrounded by branches from the inferior cervical sympathetic ganglion and by a plexus of veins which unite to form the vertebral vein at the lower part of the neck. It is situated in front of the trunks of the cervical nerves and pursues an almost vertical course as far as the transverse process of the atlas, above which it runs upward and lateralward to the foramen in the transverse process of the atlas. The third part issues from the latter foramen on the medial side of the rectus capitis lateralis and curves backward behind the superior articular process of the atlas, the anterior ramus of the first cervical nerve being on its medial side. It then lies in the groove on the upper surface of the posterior arch of the atlas and enters the vertebral canal by passing between the posterior atlanto-occipital membrane. This part of the artery is covered by the semispinalis capitis and is contained in the suboccipital triangle, a triangular space bounded by the rectus capitis posterior major, the obliquus superior and the obliquus inferior. The first cervical or suboccipital nerve lies between the artery and the posterior arch of the atlas. The fourth part pierces the dura mater and inclines medialward to the front of the medulla oblongata. It is placed between the hypoglossal nerve and the anterior root of the first cervical nerve and beneath the first digitation of the ligamentum denticulatum. At the lower border of the pons, it unites with the vessel of the opposite side to form the basilar artery. Branches The branches of the vertebral artery may be divided into two sets, those given off at the neck and those within the cranium. Cervical branch, spinal, cranial branches, meningeal. Cervical branch, muscular, cranial branches, posterior spinal, anterior spinal, posterior inferior cerebellar, medullary. Spinal branches, rami spinalis, enter the vertebral canal through the intervertebral foramina and each divides into two branches. Of these, one passes along the roots of the nerves to supply the medulla spinalis and its membranes, anastomosing with the other arteries of the medulla spinalis. The other divides into an ascending and a descending branch, which unite with similar branches from the arteries above and below, so that two lateral anastomotic chains are formed on the posterior surfaces of the bodies of the vertebrae, near the attachment of the pedicles. 
From these anastomotic chains branches are supplied to the periosteum and the bodies of the vertebrae, and others form communications with similar branches from the opposite side. From these communications small twigs arise which join similar branches above and below, to form a central anastomotic chain on the posterior surface of the bodies of the vertebrae. Muscular branches are given off to the deep muscles of the neck, where the vertebral artery curves around the articular process of the atlas. They anastomose with the occipital and with the ascending and deep cervical arteries. The meningeal branch, ramus meningeus, posterior meningeal branch, springs from the vertebral opposite the foramen magnum, ramifies between the bone and dura mater in the cerebellar fossa, and supplies the fulcs cerebelli. It is frequently represented by one or two small branches. The posterior spinal artery, a spinalis posterior, dorsal spinal artery, arises from the vertebral, at the side of the medulla oblongata. Passing backward, it descends on this structure, lying in front of the posterior roots of the spinal nerves, and is reinforced by a succession of small branches, which enter the vertebral canal through the intervertebral foramina. By means of these, it is continued to the lower part of the medulla spinalis, and to the corda equina. Branches from the posterior spinal arteries form a free anastomosis around the posterior roots of the spinal nerves, and communicate, by means of very tortuous transverse branches, with the vessels of the opposite side. Close to its origin, each gives off an ascending branch, which ends at the side of the fourth ventricle. The anterior spinal artery. Arteria spinalis anterior, ventral spinal artery, is a small branch which arises near the termination of the vertebral, and, descending in front of the medulla oblongata, unites with its fellow of the opposite side at the level of the foramen magnum. One of these vessels is usually larger than the other, but occasionally they are about equal in size. The single trunk, thus formed, descends on the front of the medulla spinalis, and is reinforced by a succession of small branches which enter the vertebral canal through the intervertebral foramina. These branches are derived from the vertebral and the ascending cervical of the inferior thyroid at the neck, from the intercostalis in the thorax, and from the lumbar, iliolumbar, and lateral sacral arteries in the abdomen and pelvis. They unite by means of ascending and descending branches to form a single anterior median artery, which extends as far as the lower part of the medulla spinalis, and is continued as a slender twig on the filum terminale, this vessel is placed in the pia mater along the anterior median fissure. It supplies that membrane and the substance of the medulla spinalis, and sends off branches at its lower part to be distributed to the corda equina. The posterior inferior cerebellar artery, arterior cerebelli inferior posterior, the largest branch of the vertebral, winds backward around the upper part of the medulla oblongata, passing between the origins of the vagus and accessory nerves, over the inferior peduncle to the undersurface of the cerebellum, where it divides into two branches. The medial branch is continued backward to the notch between the two hemispheres of the cerebellum, while the lateral supplies the undersurface of the cerebellum. As far as its lateral border, where it anastomoses with the anterior inferior cerebellar and the superior cerebellar branches of the basilar artery, branches from this artery supply the choroid plexus of the fourth ventricle. The medullary arteries, bulbar arteries, are several minute vessels which spring from the vertebral and its branches and are distributed to the medulla oblongata. End of section number 17